Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today, we continue our series, Bold. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. There we go. So, <laughs> so this morning, we are in our final week of our Bold series. And I want to tell you, I want to start off with a story. Uh, when I was a, uh, a newer follower of Christ, I was a, I was a teenager, I was in high school or early college, I don't remember, really remember which, uh, which exact time of my life it was, because I went to a community college, and they all, all those years just kind of blur together, and um, I say new, because, you know, I'd grown up in church, but um, it, it wasn't until, you know, th- there comes a time when you have to own it yourself, and so I hadn't owned it for, a, for a very many years, and, and I was in church one day, and uh, it's in the middle of worship, you know, we're singing, and, and God's moving, and um, I, as sure as the world, I heard God speak to me, and he said, he said, you know, look at that person, I looked at this person, and he said, I want you to give her whatever you have in your wallet. Whatever the money you have in your wallet, I want you to give it to her. I thought, well, that's crazy. I, that's, that's weird. I am, you know, if you're not really familiar with what finances look like for a high school or a college kid, let me tell you. I knew what was in my wallet, but just to check, I, I pulled it out, and I looked, and I had five bucks. And I thought, God, seriously? Five dollars. I'm going to look like a fool. Uh, excuse me, uh, God told me to give you this. Be blessed. <laughs> it's five dollars. <laughs> and so in the middle of worship, I'm sitting there, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm standing there, I'm arguing with God. I'm like, God, I'm going to look stupid. Because, you know, it... Because there's a certain sense that, you know, if I had like 100 or 200 bucks in my wallet, you know, that would be something major. But I'm like, God, it's $5 plus what am I going to get lunch with after church is over? If I give her my five bucks, I'm not going to have lunch. Like, I'm not going to be able to go to Wendy's and get a burger. And so I'm wrestling with it and wrestling with it. And finally, I just say, you know what? Okay, this is, is I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. So church is over and I walk up to her and I said, uh, you know, I know this sounds really crazy and please don't think I'm. I'm, I'm absolutely losing my mind, but I really felt like God told me to give this to you. It's not much. Here you go. Handed it to her, and she looks at it, you know, like you would expect somebody to look at $5, but then she kind of gets this emotion on her face. She, you can feel it kind of starting to well up, and she almost starts crying, and I'm like, that's weird. It's $5, you know, I mean, probably find that in your couch cushions. And so, and so I'm, I'm turning to walk away because I'm kind of getting embarrassed at this point. And she goes, no, 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 you got to stop. And I'm like, well, no, no, really, you just, just be blessed. God told me to do it. Take it. It's sure. She goes, no, 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 you got to stop. i got to tell you what's going on. And I said, okay. So I stopped. And she says, this morning, um, I, I had to make a decision. I had enough money. I get paid tomorrow. I had enough money to either get to work tomorrow or to get to, I had enough gas to either get to work tomorrow or get to church this morning. I don't have enough gas to actually get all the way home. And this morning, I was trying to decide, God, do I come to church? And he said, go to church. And I didn't even know how I was going to get home today. Now, at that time, gas wasn't $4 a gallon, okay? (laughs) Gas was tracking somewhere around like a buck 18 or something. So five bucks is like four gallons of gas. And she goes, you've you've just given me enough, enough money to get enough gas to go home and be back at work tomorrow morning so I can get paid. And I thought, whoa, God, you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I was surprised. I'm shocked. I'm like, 
wow, that, that worked out pretty cool. And so, of course, I didn't have lunch money. And so uh, I, I left her and, and kind of walking. I'm, I'm going to my, get in my truck, and I guess I'm going to just go home and eat a sandwich. And sure enough, somebody invited me to lunch. Said, hey, you want to come to lunch with us? I said, well, you know, I can't say no, I don't have any money because that's embarrassing. And, and I said, no, you know, I'm just going to go home. And they said, I tell you what, if you come to lunch with me, I'll buy. <laughs> I said, if you're buying, I'm in. <laughs> and so I went. Now, I tell you that story to set up this story. Because several years later, uh, I was in college. And I had a little part-time job. And it wasn't much. It was just a little part-time job. And I made a few, a few dollars, enough to pay rent and to buy, like, you know, uh, milk, bread, and ramen noodles, which is the, the staples of a college diet. And I'm sitting in church again. It's the middle of worship again. And God does it again. I, I, songs playing, and, and I'm just like looking at somebody and said, God says, I want you to take your wallet out. Whatever you have in there, I want you to give it to this person. I, and I said, wait a second, God. I, I, I just got paid Friday. I, I cashed my check. I, I've actually got a lot of money in there. You know, it's not a ton, but I, I, know I've, I know I've at least got $100 in there. I know that. I'm like, God, um, you know, $5 is one thing. $100, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't do that. And so the music's playing, and I'm going back and forth with God. And I wish I could tell you that I had the, the faith and the bold obedience that we're going to talk about today to take out my wallet, pull out that $100, and give it to that man. But I didn't. I didn't. I said, God, I can't do that. And I've wondered. I've wondered since then. I wonder how God wanted to, to use me to bless that man. I wonder what he was going through that God wanted to speak to him through that gift. And I wonder how God wanted to, to, to bless my life. I wonder what I missed out on because I didn't have the faith to obey. You see, today we're talking about two things, but really those two things are one. We're talking about bold faith, but really we're talking about bold obedience. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. This is what James is talking about when James uh, says, you know, you show me your faith, I'll show you. faith without works is dead. This is what James is talking about. James is saying faith without obedience isn't real faith. Faith without obedience is fake faith. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. And so today we're going to talk about having bold faith, but we're really actually going to talk about having bold obedience. So everybody say bold one more time, say bold with everything you've got in you. Bold. All right, bold obedience. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't sweat it. The passages of Scripture will be on the screen. Also, if you have your smartphone or tablet, phone or tablet with you, you can follow along on YouVersion. Uh, you download the YouVersion app. In the app, there's a little button you can click that's live. You click that, you search for vertical, and you'll find all of the scriptures and notes. You can even take notes from there and email them to yourself. Well, let me catch you up where we're at actually in Acts chapter 5. Now, what has happened at the, up until this point is Jesus has ascended, and he has, he has 
sent the Holy Spirit to his followers. And they have, they have had like crazy revival in Acts chapter 2. I mean, it just broke loose. It's going out in the streets. Uh, Peter's preaching. 3,000 people are getting saved. I mean, it's just amazing. And it doesn't stop there. Peter and John, one day they're walking up. Uh, to the temple, they see a guy who's crippled. They say, hey, we don't have what you're asking for, which is money, because we're broke. Um, but we actually have what you need, which is Jesus, so here you go. The guy gets healed. Forty years he had been crippled. Now he's doing like somersaults and jumping jacks all over the courtyard. It completely messes the religious leaders up. The Sanhedrin are flipping out because this guy was healed in the name of Jesus. And there's a group in the sand, there's a group of leaders called the Sadducees which completely uh, believing in the idea of resurrection is completely offensive to them because it's totally against everything that they believe. So when you say Jesus, you're saying this guy who we killed, who God raised from the dead, that doesn't jive with us. And so uh, they're, they're in an uproar, so they arrest Peter and John and they throw them in jail. And Peter and John eventually say, look, if you've seen what we've seen, we can't shut up. We're, we've got to keep talking about this guy named Jesus. And so they get released, and, and there are signs and wonders, and, and there are people bringing sick people so that Peter's shadow can, can go over top of them. And these people are getting healed, and more people are getting saved. And God is just growing this, this movement called the church, and it's expanding exponentially. And the religious leaders are trapped. They're stuck. They are in such a unique situation because this, this story, this message of Jesus Christ, this gospel, this good news that these rogue men and women are preaching is so disturbing the city that, that it's about to break out into riot. I mean, they have the city in an uproar about this man named Jesus. And they are feeling the pressure because they're the civil leaders and the city is starting to, to go into chaos. So they feel the pressure because Rome is just waiting at the door. And they're looking in and they're saying, listen, Sanhedrin, if you can't stop this, we will. We will. If you can't put this out, we'll come and take your temple. If you can't take care of this, we'll eliminate this whole problem altogether, okay? So you need to get this taken care of. So they're feeling the intense pressure of, of stomping out this Jesus movement. And here's what happens in Acts chapter 15. We're going to pick up with, ver or chapter 5, sorry, chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to pick up the story there. So if you have your Bibles, you can read along. Scriptures are right there. You also have your phone or your tablet. Here we go. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Obviously, because these Christian people had something going and they didn't. That tends to cause jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Verse 20, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. I want to share with you real quickly three ideas or three thoughts that if you and I are going to live a, a bold, obedient life, 
These are, these are three things that I think we are nearly always going to experience when we make the decision to live boldly and to live obediently for Jesus Christ. And the first one is this. Bold obedience usually triggers opposition. Matter of fact, bold obedience almost always triggers opposition. Notice in verse 18 it says that the apostles were arrested and put in the public jail. Now, if, if my math is right, this is the second time some of them have been in prison. That's not a good day. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever been in jail, but when you go to jail the first time, you typically don't want to go back. And when you go to jail the second time for doing the same thing, it's not a good day. It's not a good day. And, and you know, prisons at this time, public jail at this time, is not like public jail today. You know, they're, not, they're not guaranteed certain, certain liberties and certain freedoms. They're not guaranteed really anything. And so they get thrown in jail again. Now, you and I think that we have this misconception that if we are obeying God, that everything should just kind of work out for us. And that any opposition that we face is unacceptable. And it's unfair. We have this idea that if we are being obedient to God, that we should not face any kind of opposition. I don't know if you have this happen to me. I do this all the time. Well, this doesn't happen to me all the time. But when it does, this is how I usually respond. Have you ever been pulled over for speeding, okay? Or something like crazy is going on in your car, like the brake light didn't work or something. And you see those blue lights behind you? Okay, here's what preachers do, all right? Pastors and preachers. I would, I would say that every one of us do this. We see those lights and we're like, oh, dear Lord. God, I am your servant, and you know how I have faithfully served you all of these years. God, give me favor in this moment. God, do I have my Bible in my car? Can I set it on the... i got to tell this. How am I going to get... Hey, I'm a pastor. I'm going to visit somebody in the hospital. What are you doing pulling me over? That's why I'm speeding. We have this idea that, that it, nothing bad should happen to us if we are being obedient to God, that everything should just go well. God, God, I'm obeying you. Uh, and so if you're single, you might be thinking, I'm obeying God. I should, I should find, God, you should, you should bring along the, the hottest hottie that there is so I can marry them. God, I'm obeying you. I deserve this. Or if you have kids, you might think, God, God, we're, our family is, is living for you. We're obeying you. Our kids should never be sick. They should never get sick because we're obeying you, God. Or if you're a student, you might think, God, I'm obeying you. I'm being faithful to you. I should get A's on all my tests whether I studied or not. Let me tell you, if you're a student, this does not work. You cannot sit right before you're about to take your test and pray that God somehow like implants knowledge in your brain. God doesn't work that way. You might be thinking, God, I've been obeying you. Why is my football team never winning? This is particularly the case for Buffalo Bill fans. <laughs> Buffalo fans, appreciate that. I'm a, Bets, a Jets fan, so I have to pick on somebody from the same division. Anyway, 
We think that, 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 that opposition should not happen. But here's the reality of it. When you choose to obey God, opposition comes. You can go ahead, take out your calendar. When you make the decision to obey God, go ahead and write, opposition is on its way. Because it's coming. You can put it in your date book. It's on its way. Matter of fact, I would say this. I would go so far as to say this. That if you're not ready to face opposition for being obedient to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready for God to use you. Because every, I can say this without, without question, every significant act of obedience in my own personal life has been met with opposition. Every single one. Recently, we decided in our family that we were going to increase our giving by 30%. We sat down and we said, God has blessed us. He's been faithful to us. We're making more now than we have at any point in our life, and yet we're still giving at the same rate. This is not fair. This is not right. God, what do you want us to do? So we decided we're going to increase our giving by 30%. Do you know what happens when you decide to do that? The car breaks down. That's what happens. Kids get sick. You get sick. Bills start coming in that you didn't even know existed. You're like, I thought I was out of debt. Where did this come from? I didn't even, when did I, when did I buy that? Well, you did. And now the bill's coming. Why? Because you just made a decision to be obedient. So opposition's coming. Or it might not even look like that. It might look like you, you get a call from your friend and says, hey, you want to go uh, to, to this restaurant with us? And you're like, oh, gosh, I can't. Well, why not? Well, uh, we've made some decisions on how we're going to spend our money, and, and we, we can't afford that because that's not in our budget because we are deciding to, to increase our giving at church. What? What do they do for you? And, and besides, if you, don't, if you don't give that, they're not going to miss it. The church has plenty of money. Those people don't really hang around church too often, but anyway. But that's what happens. Opposition comes. I'm serious. Every significant act of obedience in my life has been met with opposition. About two years ago, we decided to move our family here to Chesapeake. And let me tell you, the first 18 months that we were here, it was not smooth sailing. It wasn't. It was a rocky road. Those of you who have been here long enough, been around, you know. Hey, the first 18 months of my life in Chesapeake was not fun. But we knew God spoke to us to come to Chesapeake to join a group of people to see Christ lifted up and to see people who are far from God pointed to Him. And we're just being obedient. God, why shouldn't this road be a lot smoother? It's just a reality of obedience. Obedience triggers opposition. The, the idea of this church as it is now we don't do church this way because we think it's cool. We don't do church this way. We don't have lights and we don't sing the songs. We're just trying to obey God, and, and it's not like it just happened yesterday. Hey, 2003, God birthed in my heart the idea of a church that the sole focus would be on reaching people who are far from God. A church designed and organized and, and, and developed so that people who don't feel like they belong in a church atmosphere would be welcomed. Hey, this thing took nine years of my blood, sweat, and tears. It took, it took what, what did we move here, 2010? Seven years before we ever landed in Chesapeake. God is speaking this stuff to me. Do you think the road was easy? No. Why? Why? 
Because obedience triggers opposition. Always does. You see it in Jesus' own life. Why do you think they wanted to kill him? Why do you think next week we're going to celebrate the, the crucifixion and resurrection? Because obedience triggers opposition. When you decide to obey God, go ahead, put it on the calendar. Opposition is going to come. In fact, don't worry when opposition shows up, when you've decided to be obedient to God. Worry when it doesn't. If you've decided to, I'm going to obey God, and all of a sudden everything's just going easy, easy, peasy, nice and breezy, you might want to open your eyes and say, okay, what's going on here? This, I'm not really certain this is right. Face opposition every day. People don't, never mind. Anyway, let's just uh, make the decision to get out of debt. What's going to happen? People are going to go, what are you doing? That's dumb. Stay in debt. We're all in debt. We're all living beyond our means. That's just cool. Number two, when you make the decision to be obedient, go ahead. You can guarantee opposition's on its way. Number two, bold obedience often releases God's miracles. You see, what's interesting to me when I read this passage of Scripture, Luke is writing this. Luke is a medical doctor, and he's recording this, this as he's collecting stories from different people. In verse 19, this is crazy, okay? You just got to track with me for just a second, and hopefully you'll see what I see. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Now, Luke doesn't set us up for this. There's no, there's no big setup. There's no, there's no emotion. It's like Luke's not even surprised. Let me tell you, if I'm Luke and I'm writing down the story that an angel appeared and let us out of prison, listen, y'all, I'm making a big deal about that. I'm recording every little detail. I'm like, well, what did he look like? What color of hair did he have? What was his clothes like? You know, how tall was he? How, how much do you think he weighed? What color was his eyes? And I'm writing every little teeny tiny detail down. I'm grabbing the angel. I'm saying, hey, can we snap a picture together so I can put it on Facebook? Show all my friends, I met an angel, he let me out of jail. Yeah, I'm making a big deal about this. But Luke acts like, oh yeah, what, what are we talking about? When you're obedient to God, oftentimes, oftentimes you see the miracles of God. I'm not surprised. Isn't it, isn't it funny that you and I, when we hear a, a story of a, of a miracle happening, a story of someone... Who, who decided to be faithful and who decided to be obedient and God moved, a lot of times we're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I'm surprised. God was faithful. Shocker there. I am. I'm not making fun of anybody in the room because I'm preaching to myself. Hey, I'm shocked. I'm surprised when I hear one of those stories. I'm like, wow, that's that's incredible. I can't believe that. Why can't I believe that? That's not good. Luke is like totally not even surprised. No big deal. An angel showed up and let us out. You see, when you walk in obedience to God, you're not surprised by the miracles of God. Now, notice what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that nothing ever bad happens. They were in jail for the second time. For doing the same thing. I'm not saying nothing ever bad happens. What I am saying is that when God shows up, 
you're not surprised because you anticipate God's arrival. This week I asked for some people to share stories with me about, about how God blessed their obedience. And I want to share a couple of them. I'm going to share one now. I'm going to share one a little bit later in the message. And listen, listen to this. This story is beautiful. It's just beautiful. She says this. Years ago, my marriage was destroyed. Everyone told me to leave. Friends pointed out that God's word even gave me an out. We're all tracking what happened, right? Believe me, I really considered it. I was hurt and humiliated, but I knew God was telling me to stay. Now listen, if you've been in this situation before and you left and it didn't turn out this way, hey, maybe God didn't tell you to stay. God doesn't tell us all to do the exact same thing. He deals with us all in our own unique situation. Okay? So don't any, I don't want anybody feeling condemned or, or feeling like you, you did not listen to God. Hey, God speaks to us still today, and he tells us the direction to go. Listen to what, listen to what she says. No matter how I tried to get around it, he clearly said stay. So God's speaking to her. Okay? Years later, I can tell you, that I don't have a renewed marriage, but a brand new marriage. There are still some friends and family members that don't understand why I decided to stay. And it wasn't easy. She said, it wasn't easy. Opposition was there. I decided to be obedient to what I felt like God was telling me to do in my situation. And it was not easy. It was difficult. Opposition Came up. Many times I looked for an exit ramp, but God was faithful to remind me to stay obedient. Be still and know became my chant. So I stayed still and now I know. Our marriage is proof that it is never too late to turn things around. The world told me to go. God said stay. I was obedient to God and now our family is blessed. I love my husband and can't imagine life without him. I thank God daily. For the incredible healing he has done in our marriage. You see, obedience often releases the miracles of God. When we decide to be faithful and obedient, God performs the impossible. The last thing, the third thing, about bold obedience. Not only does bold obedience usually trigger opposition, not only does bold obedience often not only is it often followed by God's miracles, but bold obedience always requires faith. Always requires faith. Every time God prompts you, it's going to require faith to obey Him. Because if you're like me, when God speaks to me, the first thing that I usually respond with is, say what? <laughs> is, is this what you said? Oh, this can't be what you said. Is this what you said? And God's like, yes. Because God speaks in a real deep voice. You know, yes. <laughs> Listen to what happens. Acts chapter 5, verse 20. Let's read it again. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. In other words, let me give you the, the Josh edited uh, uh, version. Uh, I want you to go back and uh, I want you to do what got you thrown in jail. Twice. 
I want you to go back and do the very thing that's already got you put in jail two times. I want you to go back and do it again. I would be like, uh, wait a second, God. Can you kind of fill me in on what's going to happen after that? Because this has not turned out well for me in the, the first two times. Can you, kind of, can you kind of shed some light on what's going to happen after that? See, a lot of times we want the details. A lot of times God speaks something to us and we're like, I want the details. God, you got to give me the details. I demand to know the details. And God's like, you can't handle the details. <laughs> can't handle the details. So you might be sitting there thinking, okay, I want to be obedient to God. Where do I start? you got two places to start. Number one, what's already written? What has he already said? He's already said so much about loving your neighbor and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and, and being loved to the world and showing, uh, showing, God, showing the world who God is. He's already said a lot of that, so let's start there. But the second thing really is what has God already said to you? A lot of times we, we're like, I want to obey God. I want to obey God. But he's not speaking anything to me. He's not telling me to do anything. Okay, okay. What's the last thing he said? Because I'm not a genius or anything, and I don't really have God all figured out. But if I haven't done the last thing he said, he's not going to tell me the next thing to do. God kind of works that way. You know, uh, it talks about that, that the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet. It doesn't say the word of God is a big, huge spotlight into the future. It's a lamp. It shows you the next step. And quite honestly, not that many afterwards. So what's your next step? What's the thing God's telling you to do next? The first step. I had this second story that I wanted to share with you. If you sent me a story, thank you so much. Uh, I was overwhelmed and blessed by reading uh, so many of them. Uh, but I just want to share two today. This is, this is another one. We knew we needed to tithe. I love the first sentence because this is awesome. If we could all be this honest, uh, God could do something in our lives. We knew we needed to tithe, but we were selfish. <laughs> Look, we knew we were supposed to do it, but the reality of it is I can give you all kinds of excuses, but we were just selfish and didn't. The plain and simple fact is that on paper... On paper, it was impossible. We were literally paycheck to paycheck, and more often than that, going in the hole. After many, many months of arguing about it, we finally took a complete leap of faith and started tithing for our church's three-month tithing challenge. Second weekend, my wife got pulled over for running a neighborhood stop sign. That happens to me all the time. Not running stop signs and not getting pulled over by the police. I'm actually a pretty good driver. The last time I got pulled over, it was because um, I was driving. The church has a, an expedition that we pull trailers and we haul around uh, stuff like for the church in it. Uh, we had had it for like four days, and I was driving it to take something to the Apple store. And the, the side windows had dark tint, and they pulled me over and tested the tent. And gave me a ticket for having too dark of tent. I'm like, y'all, seriously? There are people like shooting people. And you're pulling me over because my tent's too dark? Come on. But the guy, was, the guy was incredibly nice, very nice. He said, you know what? Take this. Take the tent off. Bring it with you. 
for your court date, and we'll dismiss it. And that's what happened. It was great. Anyway, uh, similar thing happens here. She got a traffic ticket and broke down like we all do because she knew we couldn't afford it. She drove two blocks and got pulled over again. But it turns out good. It turns out good. The cop asked for the ticket back and ripped it up. He saw she was a teacher. This is great redemption. He saw she was a teacher and said he treated his third grade teacher really bad. So this was kind of his redemption for it. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I saw you were a teacher, and you know what? I, tried to, I treated my teacher really bad, so let me just rip that up for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what is it about. But we grew closer to each other and to God in those three months than we thought possible. The last week of the challenge, I got a new job at almost double the salary I was making before. And it's the job I've always dreamed of. We never started. This is so important. This is so important. You've got to catch these last couple of statements. We never started tithing thinking we would get any financial gain at all. We did it because we knew we had to. We honestly thank God every time we tithe. You see, when we decide to be obedient to God, usually triggers opposition. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just a breeze. It's not going to be a walk in the park. But oftentimes, we see the miracles of God unfold right in front of our eyes. And every time we decide to do it, it's going to require faith takes faith. Some of you, God may be challenging you right now to take that very step of faith. Others of you, God's challenging you to do something else. Your next step might be to, to sign up to lead a small group in the summer or fall small group session. Your, your next step might not be anything of those. It might be start a business or start a charity or start a nonprofit organization. Your next step of bold, obedient faith might be to call that person that you have had a grudge against for years and ask for forgiveness. That might be your next step. That might be what God is telling you to do now. It, it, it might be uh, any, any host of things. If you're a single guy, it might be to actually ask that girl out that you've been eyeballing for four weeks. Single guys in the back not looking at me because they know I'm preaching to them. Notice just a couple, a couple things, real, real wrap it up. Notice what uh, God didn't tell them to do. He didn't tell them to do a lot of stuff. He told them to do one thing. Go and share the message about this full life. This is how it turns out. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, verse 21, and began to teach the people. Look at what they didn't, they didn't do. They didn't delay. And they didn't obey halfway. You see, delayed obedience and partial obedience is still disobedience. We have this idea that, that maturity in our walk with Christ is getting to a place where God speak to us, speaks to us and we challenge Him. It's like, wait a second, God, I don't... I'm, I'm so tight in our relationship with each other. You know, we're friends. We see eye to eye. We can have this kind of conversation. And so I don't think you really meant this. Let's have this argument. Let's have it out, God. Let's, let's go toe-to-toe with each other. And we oftentimes think this is a sign of maturity. Let me tell you. I have been in that place where I thought, you know what's really mature? Is when you have a relationship with God and you can talk to Him like that. And you don't have to. No, no, no. I was wrong. 
You know what maturity is? God speaks, and the first words out of our mouth is yes. Okay. Absolute, immediate, quick obedience. Yes, God. Yes. 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 Now listen what happens because of their obedience. Verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. They get called back. The leaders, you know, they go out, they're faithful, and because of their obedience, the leaders, you know, bring them back in, and they're unleashing on them again. Opposition happened. Gave you strict orders not to teach in this, in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Verse 29, this is where it's all at. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. Everybody in the auditorium say, We must. Everybody say it one more time. We must. We must obey God. We must obey God rather than human beings. In other words, he says, Look, if you've seen what we've seen, we got to obey God. If you've heard what we've heard, this is not an option for us. It's a we must. We must. It's not an if. It's not a when we get around to it. It's not a maybe I'll do it someday. It's a we must obey God. That's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to obey God. And that's what we do here as a church. Like I said at the beginning, all the, the way we do church, it's not because somebody's personal preferences. It's a we must. This is what God told us to do. This is, this is not just our favorite songs. These are the songs that in prayer God said, I want you to sing this. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a we must. We must. We must obey God. We must. We must. We must. If you've seen what we've seen and heard what we've heard, if you've, if you've been where, if you walked with him, if you heard him teach, if you saw the compassion in his eyes, look, we don't have another choice. This is not an option for us anymore. We must obey God. We must. Let's pray together. God, I pray, Lord, that you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.